Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. From the book of the prophet Isaiah, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I want to offer just a few thoughts and words tonight as we celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany. The name for this feast, if you're unfamiliar with it, and the subsequent season which come after it, come from the Greek epiphania, meaning manifestation, striking appearance, or festival held in commemoration of the appearance of a god at some particular place. The pantheon of Greek gods and goddesses would make their appearance at the various sites devoted to them, so we're told. And from there, they would move from place to place before going back to wherever it was they came from. The revelation of God in Christ shows us a new way. The God who appeared in various and sundry places, in and among the Jewish people, being made manifest in the flesh of a particular Jew. And not just any Jew, but the rightful king and heir of David's line. And not as one taking on the form of a full-grown man, as the gods would do, but born of a woman born to grow up from infancy and born to die. The Gospels do not record merely a manifestation of this or that God. They show us a singularly stunning and exceptional act of God, such that even as Jesus Christ is born of one nation, the nations of the world cannot help but come and adore him, bidden by a shining star. The wise men, and we do not know whether there were three or forty of them, there could have been a great number. From the east, do not come to see him or greet an equal, but to worship him. It is this fact that gives Herod pause. It is this that troubles him. And he is even further troubled by the word of the priests and scribes that the ruler of the people would come like David from Bethlehem. But note that Herod does not, go to, does not go himself to Bethlehem. He stays in Jerusalem. And one should wonder why he does. Bethlehem isn't a long journey. If you've ever been to the Holy Land, it's in this big shock. It's like, oh my goodness. It's like five miles. It's nothing. It's not that far at all. Woodway is, closer than, is, about this, is further away than Bethlehem is from Judea and for, from Jerusalem. What we see is that Herod immediately cannot hedge his bets when it comes to the incarnate king. He will either worship him or he will try to kill him. This is a stark reminder that there is no room for waffling, no room for fickle wavering back and forth. At the very heart of the Christian faith is the conviction that this Jesus is very God of very God and being so is worthy of worship worthy of our sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. But that is not what I want to say tonight. What I want to say goes along with what what Isaiah writes in the 60th chapter. At the time it was written, Isaiah's word was most likely written to exiled Jews living in Babylon, saying something like this, Get up. Get up off your butts and move home. Go home. The light of God has shined upon you. The days of darkness in Babylon are over. Get yourselves home. But Christians have always seen these passages as concerning the coming of the Messiah. 
the showing forth of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ upon the nation. This is, and the nations, this is, after all, at the center of Isaiah's message, hearkening back to chapter 9. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation, thou hast increased its joy. They rejoice before thee as with joy at the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of, for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, thou hast broken as on the day of Midian. We are faced with a stark contrast. Go back to Jerusalem is not the same as arise, shine, for your light has come. In the last century, we have seen the broad repatriation of Jews to an Israeli state. And Christians can rejoice in that to some extent. But for the Christian, what ends perpetual exile, which is, after all, not an exile from, homeland, from a homeland, but an exile from God, is not the return of the people to this land or that, but the coming, the appearing, the manifestation of Israel's God among us in human flesh. This is, in short, the encouragement of the gospel to arise and shine. We do not look back to the good old days or to the day when we shall be free in this land or that, but we look to a present and a future in which Christ is king of all the nations, worthy of our worship and adoration, his divine glory poured out through his church to the world. What needs to be said tonight is that we must regain our confidence in the light of the world, especially if we as Christians are to suffer in the face of a culture that is in many ways turned against us, even our own nation turning against us. We must regain confidence in the one to whom the nations have come. We must regain confidence in the providence of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We must regain confidence that the glory of God is seen in and among his people. The church father Irenaeus is often quoted as saying, the glory of God is man fully alive. Now that may be a helpful paraphrase, but Irenaeus didn't say it. You can amaze your friends with that bit of knowledge later on down the week. What he actually said was something a bit more complex and a bit more nuanced. That the word revealed, to men, revealed God to men and made him visible in many ways to prevent man from being totally separated from God and so cease to be. Life in man is the glory of God. The life of man is the vision of God. If the revelation of God through creation gives life to all who live upon the earth, much more does the manifestation of the Father through the word give life to those who see God. That is what the wise men from the east come to see. Not just a king, not just some equal, but God. For they have come to worship and they have found life there in Bethlehem. And that is what needs to be said on Epiphany, that we are a people who have seen the very glory of God. Now you might say, well, I haven't seen Jesus. I've never seen him face to face. But there is a kind of seeing which we Christians insist upon, a kind of seeing that goes beyond sight, a kind of seeing that is faith itself, a gift from God, 
The Magi on their arrival in Bethlehem didn't need to see Jesus in the flesh to have seen and seen truly. They had, in a sense, already seen. Know what they say. They say, we have seen his star in the east and have come to what? Worship him. It's not that they walk up to the stable or whatever it was, cave in Bethlehem, and say, oh, there he is. We've seen the glory of God. No, they say, we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. They have been enlightened by the grace of divine revelation. They have come to know the truth. They know that the star is God's star, and more specifically, God the King of the Jews. And this alone has been given them, and this alone has given them the confidence to journey to Bethlehem. When I was a kid, I thought the Magi were just a bunch of smart guys who somehow, through the work of astrology, just sort of figured it out. But that's not what the text puts in front of us. The text puts in front of us that they say, we've seen his star in the east. In the same way, later on, the disciples of Jesus were given confidence by the resurrection of the Lord from the dead. In the midst of the darkness of sin and death, God's light shone upon them, forth upon them in the face of the risen Christ, showing forth, making manifest presence of powers in this world greater than death. In the risen Christ, the apostles met the glory of God face to face, but not just through the eyes, but through the eyes of faith. And through his manifestation in the flesh, they gained life. In like manner, you and I have a journey to walk by faith and not by sight. We have a calling to be a people in the world who have seen and seen truly. To be a people who no longer walk in darkness, who no longer walk with our eyes clouded, and who in turn shed forth the glory of God's light upon this world. Let it be that our sight is enlivened by the life of prayer and the life of meditation upon God's holy word. Let it be that our lives show forth the glory of the only begotten, and let it be that in the midst of the thickest and deepest darkness, the Lord will arise once again upon us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.